everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Friday, April 17th. This is episode number 912. It's Meet My Friend Friday. You guys know one of my favorite days here at the podcast, and I've got a new friend on the show with me today who's going to resonate with you, and you guys are going to be want to take notes. So get ready. My friend Renton Rathbun is here today, and we're going to talk about biblical worldview and why it's so important that we pass one on to our children. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today, everybody. I know because I'm getting lots of emails from you guys, and uh, thanks for filling out the form over at Mailbox Monday. That's helping me a lot. I know that a lot of you are starting to feel the frustration, the sort of set in, uh, you know, when Renton came on earlier today, he said, how are you doing? And I said, you know, great for a caged animal. (laughs) I'm starting to feel that way uh, because we've been kind of in this lockdown mode for a while. And I'm going to just encourage you the way that we have been for the past several weeks here to really lean into communities of believers. And we need to be uh, really leaning into God's word and what, what God says about fear and what God says about authority. And at the same time, we're trying to keep our eyes open, right? Uh, this is why Mike Ferris was on uh, this past Monday. And I've heard from a lot of you already who are really encouraged and quieted. I think he did a really good job of quieting your spirit. And so uh, we're going to do that again today. Before I get started, a couple of things I wanted to let you guys know about. Uh, First of all, we really appreciate hearing you. If you've got questions that you want to send for Mailbox Monday, uh, you can do that by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. You'll, you'll see a form will come up and uh, you can just fill that out. Remember you guys, please keep it short and sweet and to the point. It actually doesn't help when there's, you know, 16 pages of stuff I got to get through to figure out what your question is. So uh, if you can just introduce the question and then give me a little bit of background, that helps my team put together uh, the questions that we're going to answer in any uh, given week. Also, you may have seen, I've been having a little bit of trouble over at Facebook uh, because Facebook doesn't like me. (laughs) So if you, I have a feeling, just kind of a a gut check about this. uh, And I kind of think maybe the time is drawing very, very close when uh, Facebook will completely censor Christian voices and anybody who doesn't conform to the worldview that uh, Facebook has. And so I'm trying to move people off of there, not off, like don't come back, but, but away so that if there comes a point when I actually lose my voice over there. Uh, you guys know where to find me. And so the best place to do that, obviously, is at the podcast and over at the blog. Also, we're doing a lot of information about homeschooling, and you can find out more at learnathome.today. So keep praying. I mean, I think our world is definitely, uh, there's something going on, and uh, we want to just lean into the Lord and be wise. Remember we said this a couple weeks ago, like uh, preparation for trouble is good, panic is sin. So we're not panicking. We're just keeping our eyes open and asking the Lord to direct us. So uh, speaking of asking the Lord to direct us, I had the opportunity, I guess it's been a couple of months now, to hear my guest speak at a leadership summit that Bob Jones University Press hosted in Greenville, South Carolina. And my friend Zan Tyler, who's been on the show with me several times, was telling me, you're going to love this guy. It's right, you know, right up your alley. And so uh, my expectations were pretty high. 
And I got to tell you, Renton did not disappoint. I couldn't, I was writing so fast. He had me laughing. He had me thinking. Uh, Renton has been a classroom teacher for over 22 years, and his teaching expertise includes both secular and Christian institutions ranging from high school to college. Uh, he and his wife have homeschooled their son, who's now in college himself. And uh, I think you guys are going to be really encouraged. Renton has spoken for homeschool venues, such as the Foundation Summit, which is where I first heard him, and also homeschool summits. Dot com And uh, also, like all the guests lately, he's really smart. So I'm going to try to keep up with him. He's earning his PhD right now. Renton Rathbun, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad that you took the time to do this. I'm imagining that you don't have as much on your schedule right now as normal, but it sounds like things at Bob Jones University Press are kind of rolling right along. Yeah, they really are. Uh, actually, we We've gotten a little more uh, busy than usual just because uh, with all the limitations, we've been doing a lot of stuff uh, through videos and uh, conferences that way and things like that. So uh, we've been keeping busy. It's more work, I think. You know, several people said, oh, you must be, you know, so it must be so great to be at home. And it is great to be at home. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what, the St. John's are not sitting around. We're getting stuff done. But this whole like video conferencing, Zoom call, it's stressful. And I think it really hinders communication because you've always got to work with the technical difficulties and and things like that. So I kind of feel like in some ways we're working harder. Do you feel that way a little bit? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's weird. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you find yourself in every conference uh, call that you do, especially with Zoom, end up staring at your own face and yeah, right. it's hard to concentrate. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. Yeah, it is. It's super weird. I, we've never really been in any situation that I can think of uh, in my lifetime. And I keep telling my kids, you know, most of our kids are uh, high school or adult now. And I keep telling my kids, you know, like, I hope you guys are paying attention because you're going to be, you're going to tell your grandkids about this. Like, this is bizarre. <laughs> I feel like we, like, who knew that when we set our clocks forward, we were like jumping forward into the twilight zone. Like, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. So you work uh, for Bob Jones University Press, and we've been doing some really cool things with them lately. We've got a, an awesome opportunity coming up because I'm going to be uh, part of kind of an online Facebook party with uh, BJU Press, and that's really cool. And I'll talk about more about that uh, at the end of the show today. But one of the things I love about BJU Press is you guys are very focused on making sure that your curriculum incorporates a biblical worldview into all the subjects that are being taught. And that's kind of your job, right? Sort of to, to head up a think tank that develops ways to incorporate biblical worldview. Um, this seems to be a, a passion of yours, and I want to get into it, but I like to kind of start by just talking about where, you, where you've come from and sort of how you have developed this, um, this passion for helping parents teach a biblical worldview to their kids. I noticed when I was reading your extensive biography, which by the way is exhausting, I'm assuming that you never take a nap. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that you have, it uh, looks like a master's in philosophy. Yeah. From the University of Toledo. That's right. That's right. And so um, what does a person do when one studies philosophy? Uh, Renton? <laughs> uh, well, they, uh, they sit and think all the time. Actually, yeah, these are like a master's. You guys have a master's degree in deep thoughts. That's what it is, right? A master's <laughs> in philosophy is like a master of thinking deep thoughts. 
Yeah, it kind of it kind of is, uh, and it kind of can turn into something worthless if uh, if you pursue it too long. Right. But what, <laughs> a little navel gazing uh, going on. <laughs> that's right. What really got me into it was uh, I was teaching at a college in Minnesota, um, and on um, on nine eleven, uh, I remember watching all these things happen uh, on the television. And from that moment on, I really started to think about what it means to have a view of the world. What is it that we bring to the world when we see it? You know, we see these men who, because of their worldview, uh, thought that a an organized mass murder would be the best thing that they could do with their lives. And so I really started to think about that, and it really um, started to change the way I was viewing the world. And so I ended up uh, working on a degree in philosophy, which uh, was not satisfying to me because I realized that you can't just get a degree in philosophy. There has to be things you have to agree to. And so, right. um, so I decided to move on uh, instead of getting a PhD in philosophy, uh, my wife, who is much wiser and smarter than myself, said, <laughs> you're so, so you're so frustrated with this philosophy stuff. Why don't you just go get a degree in theology? Hey. And so that's what I did. And um, the combination has really been a help. Um, the Lord opened the door for me to teach philosophy for several years, along with logic courses and things like that for a secular college, which uh, brought about a lot of stories. And uh, I was in trouble a lot. I uh, <laughs> had a, I was on the first name basis with our chair, who uh, was actually very kind to me considering all the complaints. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like I'm trying to imagine this this uh this young man trying to get a degree in theology and giving uh your theology professors trouble. <laughs> well, the there was frustration on on two ends. So on on the end of me being a a student uh working on a degree, I was still trying to fight that philosophical worldview uh while I was trying to uh, you know, compensate and understand, okay, well, how how is it that theology works? Because mm -hmm. I was coming from a completely different world. And then when I was teaching my philosophy class, uh, I would get more and more blatant about a biblical worldview, which would make the students complain quite a bit to my the chair of my department. Then I would have to answer <laughs> to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> And you, I, I, one of the things I thought was so interesting when I heard you speak in Greenville was that you've spent quite a bit of time on secular university campuses. And so you have a very unique perspective. And I think you were talking about, uh, your topic was, uh, is the Bible a textbook and like preparing our kids to, uh, to be ready basically to have their faith challenged and their ideas challenged. And, you know, I know that when I went to college and the first thing I heard was uh, your parents are stupid, like in so many words, that's kind of what I heard. Uh, right. And I know that because when I was listening to you talk, it was resonating with me. Parents listening to this are a lot of them getting ready to graduate their kids. Well, now thank you, COVID-19, I might be off a year, but, but we're trying, like we're trying to like graduate our kids. And, um, and the question comes up a lot, you know, 
what about what's going to happen when they get into a secular university? We like we've seen, you know, George Barna, lots of people, Pew Research. We've we've seen all kinds of statistics that are alarming to Christian parents that say, hey, the chances of you actually retaining the heart of your child are pretty small if uh, if they get into a university that successfully challenges their thinking to the point where these kids question their faith. And a lot of parents go, oh, that's not really happening. Uh, but you say it is. Absolutely it is. Um, and it happens in a way that isn't what many people think. Um, there's been movies and videos that people have put out that kind of give an idea of what a secular university might be like. Uh, and it's just not quite that way. What happens is that the student, your student uh, goes into the secular university or college mainly because we live at a time that's sending them away to these Christian colleges is so expensive that right. if they're already, a, you know, plugged into a good church, uh, why not send them to a local college and university? And typically, that's a, not a bad idea. The problem is that I'm not sure we've, we've really prepared our young people to do that. Because um, what happens is they'll come and sit down in their seat, expecting this this rage against Christianity and some kind of tirade against it, and instead, what they get is they get a teacher who's uh, pretty cool, who's pretty smart, who has who has thought things through because it's their job uh, in a way that maybe uh, they haven't heard before, and that really cool, really smooth guy or uh, lady up there. Uh, is starting to say, uh, hey, who in here uh, holds to a strong faith? They really, really believe in their faith. And, and there might be kids that raise their hand. Maybe they're, you know, your kid might be brave enough to raise his hand. And what they're expecting is retaliation, but what they get is appreciation. And so they say, isn't that wonderful that you hold your faith? And that's just so great. We need that today. It's so important. Um, I'm so glad you're in my class. And they start feeling at home. And then what the what this teacher will do is they'll say, okay, well, um, you know, your faith is awesome and it's great if you believe in your, your religious book. And that's wonderful. But today we're going to talk about algebra or today we're going to talk about Shakespeare or today we're going to talk about whatever to help them understand that, you know, your faith is wonderful. The Bible is a great great thing, as long as it's in its place, and you leave it there on the weekend. But today, we're going to talk about something that's real, something that's absolutely true, which we can really talk about. We'll talk about reality in this class, and you can save that neat little faith you have for the weekend, for when you want to imagine things. And as they keep uh, promoting this, they then use their uh, the subject that they're teaching to then espouse their values and beliefs in a very sophisticated way, what I call sophisticated unbelief. And it becomes um, attractive to the young people because the teachers aren't trying to repel young Christians. They are trying to attract them because they see themselves not as these evil people trying to uh, destroy your children's faith. They see themselves as saviors, that's going to save your child from their faith, to free them to do the things that they really want to do. And what does that do to a sin nature? Someone that you respect, that you kind of think is neat, that has taken an interest in you, is now giving you that permission 
to walk away from all the things that seem to restrict that sin. And it becomes attractive. And that is how the whole system works. It's, um, it's incredibly sophisticated, but even more dangerous than that, it's incredibly genuine. They really do believe they are doing something good. Yeah. It's like talking to, uh, I've had an opportunity several times to talk to uh, people who work at abortion clinics and I've done, you know, a little bit of sidewalk counseling. And because I speak for a living, I meet all, all kinds of people. And it's interesting to me that uh, oftentimes the ones that do the most damage remind me so much of the snake in the garden, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you will not surely die. You're going to be like, God, Hey, everything's going to be cool. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And with our kids, you know, coming onto these, and and you're right, because when I talk to these, uh, like an uh, an abortion care, well, she called it abortion care, which we all know is not care. It's like healthcare. Abortion is not healthcare. Yo, Uh, abortion (laughs) be murder. But yet we talk about it. We frame it like that, right? Abortion is healthcare. And they Mm -hmm. were helping these women. They need help. They've been abandoned. They don't have any money. You know, heaven forbid their child should grow up in poverty as if death is better than poverty. And (laughs) all of a sudden, the argument starts to sound believable and it starts to sound compassionate, even though it isn't. And when you were presenting this uh, topic, one of the things that struck me so much as a parent, I have uh, three uh, three kids still at home. Uh, four of our kids are, are uh, graduated now, but we still have three at home. And I'm always interested in uh, teaching my children uh, from a biblical worldview and obviously, you know, undergirding their beliefs. But you really took issue, and I thought this was so um, enlightening, you really took issue with this idea of just opening up an apologetics book, right? Let's say, here's your archaeological evidence for Christ. Here's this, here's that. And you took issue with it. Uh, can you explain that to our listeners a little bit? Why uh, Why do you think we got to do better than that? Uh, that's a good question, especially considering my the PhD I'm working on is in apologetics. You would think I would be a big a big right. advocate. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was so shocked because I, you know, I read your bio like everybody else, and I expected you to say, "Here's the best apologetics textbook in the world," and you <laughs> really went the opposite direction. But it was so eye-opening. I thought I told my husband, I leaned in, I'm like, "Dude, every parent needs to hear this because uh, it's a it's a shift in our thinking, but it's a critical shift uh, from somebody who understands what these kids are up against." Yes. So our typical go-to as and and you know we. We did this too. You know, we we're homeschool parents. We're looking for someone that's going to link the subject to something biblical. I mean, it's 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 like the it's like the uh, the phrase that was so popular back in uh, 2015. 100 percent all natural. 100 percent all natural. Yeah. You'd see it all up and down the aisles. And what we find out later is that that phrase has no meaning whatsoever. There's no regulations on saying the word natural. Yeah, and most and so of the time, if, there's nothing natural about it. Right. I mean, technically, uh, at that time, you could put all natural on a Snickers bar, and it's perfectly legal. Right. Um, and so, and the same thing is happening now. We have biblical worldview. Everyone's saying biblical worldview, biblical worldview all over their materials because it fell. And so as a homeschooling parent, you see that and you think, oh, finally, someone's trying to do this. And what you f- actually find out is that they're trying to do not biblical worldview. They're trying to do apologetics. Now, apologetics is wonderful, but apologetics is not the same as a biblical worldview. So 
a biblical worldview is trying to teach uh, your young people uh, how it is that I come to believe or have a value about anything. And what we want them to understand, it is through the story of Scripture that we get all those things, and that's how we come to have beliefs and values so that we can judge what we see and interpret the world around us the way God wants us to interpret it. Mm-hmm. Apologetics, on the other hand, is doing something much different. Um, it has a different mission. So I, um, so I put it this way. Uh, when I, when I was when I was doing the the conference, um, when I was a when I was in the military, they uh, they slowly introduced us to the world of being a soldier. Um, it was a slow introduction. They uh, they they first yelled at us for a while so we can get used to that. They made us do push-ups and sit-ups until we collapsed. Uh, they made us run until we collapsed. They made they gave us different disciplines, teaching us how to take orders. All of that was teaching us the worldview of being a soldier. And that was important. What they did not do is the minute we got off the bus to start our first day of basic training, they did not hand us a weapon. They did not hand us a weapon because the weapon has a different has a different uh, job to do. Uh, we don't get weapons till much later in basic training. And that's because we first need to understand our worldview before we have a weapon that then um, helps us execute what we've been taught about our worldview onto our enemies. So apologetics is kind of like that weapon. It is a method that we use in order to defend the worldview that we have. Um, That's what apologetics does. And there's lots of different methods you can use to defend your worldview. Some are legitimate, some are terrible. But the problem that we have is that we're trying to teach these methods of defending worldview before we've ever taught our children worldview at all. So they, they, we're throwing a, we're throwing a weapon in their hands saying, Hey, defend the worldview. And they're, and they're, still thinking, well, uh, okay. And so they, they use these little techniques that we've, that we've given them. The only problem is these techniques aren't defending anything they really hold to yet. So we need to teach them what is it you need to hold to so that you can interpret the world around you. They need to hold to the story scripture has given us so that we can then understand our beliefs and values so that when I look at the world, I can interpret it as God has told us to interpret it. It's not up to me to interpret the world. God has already done that for me, and so now I learn how to do that skill. Once I learn how to do that skill well enough, then I can say, well, what kind of a weapon do I need to defend this, the skill of a biblical worldview that I have been taught by my parents through the help of good curriculum? And so now when I go into a secular university or college, I'm not just throwing up uh, little tricks that I learned on the way, because I'll tell you this, uh, they, uh, the professors they're going to come against know these little tricks. They have heard the little tricks. They know that when you find a trinket in the desert and the Bible talked about the trinket being somewhere near there because there was a city near there they dug, there was a city underneath the ground that the Bible said was going to be there. And now we know the Bible's true. They, they've heard all these different arguments. They, they know them probably better than our children do when they come with these, these little tricks. 
Well, when they find that the professor knows already knows this well, and they give a sophisticated reason why that little trick doesn't work, then what is your child going to hold on to? If we've taught them to hold on to the tricks of apologetics or a method of apologetics that defends something they haven't even bought into yet, something they haven't even made their own yet, something they even don't even understand the skill to do yet, then they're going to be devastated when the trick they thought, the, the trick that they put their faith into, then gets destroyed. What we want to do is uh, teach them how to put their faith into Scripture so that when, they're, when they uh, are able to view the world, their faith is in the Word of God that helps them interpret the world so that, so that the Holy Spirit's work is guaranteed to be done. Because that's the only place that we have a guarantee. We, 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 it's guaranteed that if your child knows the Lord and he studies God's word, the Holy Spirit works. There is no guarantee that a really, really good apologetical method is going to uh, be used of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it might be, but there's no guarantee of that. There's guarantee of, the, of Scripture. That's what we mm. need to teach uh, our young people to put their faith in. Yeah, and so when you when you talk to parents uh, about incorporating a biblical worldview, now you've just done a really good job of separating out apologetics from a biblical worldview, and I think oftentimes you know we we conflate the two of them, right? And so we kind of think one is the other, and you've just said no, it's actually not. They serve different purposes, and so what we're trying to do is to teach our children from a very young age how to interpret the world through the lens of scripture. So like what we've always told our children is we take what's coming at us and we sift it through scripture and scripture is what we, we lean into. And right before we started recording, you were saying that one of the things that you do over at Bob Jones university press, and this is what I was so encouraged by this because I think man, parents need to know uh, that this is where we start is that you're saying one of the things that you do, the primary thing that you do now is to help them to develop ways to incorporate a biblical worldview into every single subject that we teach. Because we, what happens is I think, and, and certainly I've been talking about this for years out on the road. A uh, long time ago, I started telling parents, I was on a one woman crusade to stop getting, to, to stop you from teaching the Bible as a subject in school and start looking at it as a handbook for life. Because we teach our children, now you've got a spelling class, and now you've got math, and now history, now we're going to study the Bible. And then they get out of uh, your homeschool, or they graduate from a Christian school, if that was what they were taught there, and they go, well, I, I did that. I graduated, and I'm now I'm done. And so we look at it completely differently, but you're saying, uh, if we're teaching our children to see the world the way God sees it, then it applies to every subject. It is woven into every subject. And like I told you before, I, I'm looking at something like comprehensive sex education, which I talk about all the time here at the podcast. And even while we're in quarantine, uh, these agendas are marching forward. You know, so the people that are pushing this, this worldview in, in this particular case, it's not a biblical worldview. It's a sexual worldview that is very, uh, very twisted and very broken. But I heard a woman speaking for Planned Parenthood just a couple of days ago talking about how they were going to, they are working very hard 
at ways that they can incorporate that. So she said, for example, a lot of uh, a lot of your seventh graders are going to read Shakespeare this year. Well, they're going to read Romeo and Juliet. This is a perfect time to talk about comprehensive sex education and talk about the word consent. And I was like, bingo. That's what they're doing. They're taking this this worldview, which is very antithetical to what God says, and they are weaving it into every subject in school, which is why you can't opt out. And what we're saying as believers, what I hear you say is, this is what parents need to be doing. We need to, we need our children to hear uh, God's word. How do we see the world from a biblical point of view in every subject? And so how are you guys doing that? Uh, that's a great question. It's, uh, it's something that, that is actually uh, kind of surprising to people. Um, how this is done, because we're not satisfied with merely um, relating the Bible to a subject or even just using examples from the Bible in a subject so that the Bible is mentioned in some way. Um, We are looking to go much deeper than that. So uh, to illustrate it, I'll tell you this very short little story. Uh, I was... uh, for 15 years, I taught in a public college, and I taught everything uh, from uh, writing to uh, philosophy to logic and things like that. And one of the classes I taught was an ethics course. And so as principles of ethics, uh, most of the students are freshman, sophomore level students. Uh, almost all of them are products of the public, uh, the public high school. And so on the first day, I, I asked the same question uh, to all my students. And I say, is it wrong to murder? And uh, very, very thankfully, at least for my sake, uh, almost all their hands go up. Uh, and they say, yes, it is wrong to murder. And so that's refreshing. And so then I say, <laughs> so then I say, okay. So. We've set the bar really low now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you guys think about murder? Let's start there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, then I say to them, I say, uh, so what makes it wrong to murder? And I see the look on their face. And the look on their face is, oh, I know the answer to this. And I wait. And then I watch the look on their face start moving from confidence to discouragement. Because they think they know what it is, but maybe they think, I just can't put, put it into words. And then they start realizing that they just absolutely don't know. They know the fact that it is wrong to murder because in the public schools, uh, this is an ethic that they uh, have to be taught. They have to know this thing. It's wrong to murder. There are certain things that are wrong. But why it is wrong to murder is not discussed. Uh, They have no idea. Um, I have students to say everything from, well, you, you can't just you can't just go up to someone and uh, take their life uh, and, and, and take away the, their right to live. And I said, well, yes, you can. I mean, have you ever been to Chicago? Uh, right. It, it happens all the time. Uh, so, yes, you can do this. So why what makes it wrong? And what they what I found was they just kept repeating the question back to me, thinking they're answering. the question. So what's going on? Um, are they are they unintelligent? Well, no, um, they're they're untrained. They're untrained about what it means to have a reason for why I believe X. Uh, 
or if I could put it this way, what accounts for my belief? And this accounting for belief is the key to biblical worldview. It is the key to critical thinking. It's the key to academic rigor, which is, which is, I mean, because what I'm, my point isn't that my public school students didn't have a good biblical worldview. My point is that they had no view. Yeah. They knew that, that murder was wrong. They didn't even give me a secular reason why murder would be wrong. They did and I, I would have I would have been at least happy to hear well not happy to hear but relieved that someone's thinking if someone were to say well actually murder really isn't wrong because we're all here by chance anyway and eventually the sun is going to supernova and we'll all be dead and nothing really matters but in order for us to have a society I guess we can't murder I mean that's at least an answer even yeah. if it's horrible but they didn't even have that and so what's happening is you know, in the public schools, as John Dewey planned from the start, he wants a socialized student that's going to be a good citizen of the state. He is, yep. does not want a thinker. Yeah. And so, um, and so as as homeschool begins begins to uh, gain popularity, what we need to remember is as Christian parents who homeschool that this is important. Uh, homeschooling is important to us for many reasons. One reason is we have the opportunity to teach real rigor in our courses where we're giving our, our young people the opportunity to know and account for why they believe what they believe. And this is biblical worldview. So even if I'm teaching something like two plus two equals four, let me tell you something that they'll never learn in a public school, and sadly, a lot of times, not in a Christian school. And this is, this is what they, they won't learn. What makes two plus two equaling four possible? Why is it that we are able to do the work of understanding two plus two equaling four? Why? How do we account for two plus two equaling four? And that sounds like a tough question for young people, but it's only a tough question because we hardly ever ask it. And so, if if we're if we're serious about biblical worldview as we are at BJU Press, we ask those kind of questions and then figure out how we can get um, the student in our product to make the make their way back to scripture to be able to account for how it is that 2 plus 2 equals 4 what makes that possible and what is the purpose of it that is real critical thinking because now you're taking a simple belief of accepting 2 plus 2 equaling 4 and you're accounting for it and that is that is that's the key to good thinking but it's also the key to good biblical worldview so that our that our students are beginning to start thinking this way, they start thinking that this world has already been interpreted by my God, and He has given His interpret His interpretation through His Word, and that even though it might be hard and it might be a skill I have to start learning because maybe I haven't been using that 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 muscle for a long time, I can start learning that muscle and so and working that muscle so that. Every time I come across beliefs, no matter how simple they are, 
my first interest as a Christian young person is, how does my Bible account for the truth of the thing that I am learning today, even if they're learning grammar, and that they learn that the, the reason we learn grammar, the purpose of good language skills, is that I am able to love my neighbor better that way. And we, we start realizing all these skill level courses that seem so distant from biblical worldview are absolutely reliant upon it. And that is a long, long, long answer to your question. Well, it's such a, it's such a great answer. And I know that there are so many parents literally are sitting on the edge of their seat right now going, finish the question. So why do we teach our children that two plus two equals four? You got, you left everybody hanging. They're all like, they're all waiting. Like all the moms are like taking notes. Come on. Ren's going to give us an answer. What's the answer? Okay. Well, the answer, the answer is this. It starts in Genesis chapter one. When God made man, his first commandment to man before the fall, his commandment to man is, um, I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. And I want you to subdue the earth and rule over it. Now, God is uh, not the kind of God that the philosophers talk about that is just all power and no relationship. Right. Our God is a father to his children. And as a father speaks to his children, and when he gives, uh, when a father speaks to his children, he's giving him, uh, usually fathers give direction to their children with the tools to get that uh, goal accomplished. And so God gives man the tools to use to do that subduing and to do that ruling over the earth. Because what is man? Man is an image bearer of God. And as an image bearer of God, uh, he is to mimic his father. I mean, I'll tell you what, there, as a father, um, there are times when your children mimic you, and it's the thing you want them to mimic. <laughs> yes. I mean, a lot Occasionally that happens. Yes. Occasionally it happens, I'll tell you. And, uh, <laughs> and you know that feeling, if you're a parent and your child has done something really well on their own, and it's something you've been teaching them. That that feeling you get of yes, uh, something I did something I did right, and, yeah, right. Uh, and, child, yeah. <laughs> and maybe this child is going to turn out, and we get yeah. those feelings, um, and that is that is a mimicry, right? Um, they're mimicking something that is good, that we that at our best we are doing, and we're saying like Paul, mimic me because I'm mimicking Christ. Well, this, uh, this is how we were made. We were made to mimic our father. And, um, and so our father subdued and ruled over our earth, and we are to mimic that in our own way. It's not the same way, of course, as God does, but it's, it's the creaturely way of mimicking our God. And so two plus two equals four is not just this brute fact that a kid has to learn and is boring, and yeah, I get it, two plus two apples plus two apples equals four apples, and it becomes this boring thing. It is one of the necessary tools that God has given man so that he might be able to obey him. Two plus two equals four isn't just this blunt fact of the universe. 
It is a tool to obey my God so I can mimic my father. And that is our whole job as parents who are interested in homeschooling our children is that we can make them mimic mimics of our of our God. I mean, Ephesians tells us, be imitators of God as children. And that's what we want them to be, to mimic our God. And that is the commandment. And so that so two plus two equals four seems like a very fundamental thing. But so is that commandment in, in uh, Genesis chapter one. It is the fundamental activity that God told man to do. And he gives him the fundamental tools to do it. And that's what makes two plus two equals four exciting. That's what gives it purpose. And to the even even gives you an understanding that the Bible is accounting for even something as simple as two plus two equals four. So like I like I always say, no, the Bible isn't a math textbook. The Bible is the book that makes a math textbook possible. So we can't even have a math textbook without the scripture accounting for every single word that's in there. And if we're if we are serious about about growing our children in the love and admonition of the Lord, then we need to be serious about always connecting every single skill we teach them back to Scripture so they understand that this skill they're learning, as boring as it might seem at the moment, or as tedious it might, as it might seem as, at the moment, is part of their work so that they might be image bearers of their God and be able to do the work that God commanded them to do. Wow. And so uh, the minds of parents everywhere right now exploding. They're like, oh, my word, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, I am I, I am so I'm as encouraged now listening to you. I've filled up another page of notes listening to you as I was when I first heard you uh, in Greenville, because I think you're bringing to the conversation that desperately needs to be had right now a clarity that we need for the times that we're living in. And mm. I appreciate it. And I love, like I was thinking, you know, your, your new hashtag needs to be all the books because if <laughs> parents, if, if this is what BJU press is, is turning out, if this is what you guys are doing, parents need to buy all the books. Like we need to go there and go, what you got for a third grade math, math student? Cause I've got a kid right now uh, who's in fourth grade. My youngest is in fourth grade and she is right in the middle of her multiplication facts and uh, it just, they're just, you know, they're just facts and, and she doesn't like it and I don't like it, but we're muscling our way through, <laughs> we're muscling our way through it. Right. Uh, and I keep thinking, God, give me grace for the seventh one. Like, you know, there's a point in which I was just like, you know, mom, do I have to do this again? And I wanted to say, no, I don't actually care if you know math at all. Just how about we just make cookies and talk about the birds? That's what I'd rather do anyway, you know, but I love that you've brought a practicality to it and a reason for teaching our children to see the world through the lens of scripture. And I love that this is the mission of uh, a BJU press. And I really love that you are at the helm of that. What, what an amazing opportunity that parents have right now, you know, uh, thank you, COVID-19. There are 50 million kids being homeschooled right now. And if parents can take this opportunity and catch a vision for why educating our children from a, from a biblical worldview is so important. I think we can see a shift in the culture away 
from the secularization and the moral relativism that we've been drifting into as a church for so long and back to the centrality and the authority of scripture in our lives. So uh, Renton Rathbun, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and clearing this up. And uh, all the parents who are just like, oh my word, I'm going to go back and teach basic math now. This can be so much fun. I think you've encouraged a whole bunch of people today. Thank you. For more information on Renton Rathbun, I'm going to link back to the work he's doing at Bob Jones University Press. And if you guys want information about the curriculum that you can find at BJU Press, I want to encourage you to check it out. I've got a whole bunch of them in my own personal library here. And I'm telling you what, if you've been encouraged by what Rathbun is teaching you, you're going to see it in BJU Press and in the books that they're producing. So I hope this encourages you guys. Thank you again for listening today. Remember, we are right smack dab in the middle of our new study at Mom Strong International. We are studying the resurrection of Jesus and why the hope of what God did in sending his son matters now more than it ever has. Check it out, momstronginternational.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. 